to From the Source. I'm Michelle Brenner and I'm your host. From the Source aims to answer the question of what tech jobs are really like, both the good and the boring. Today we're going to hear from Camille Matthew. Camille, can you tell us your current job title and how long you've been there? I sure can, uh, and thanks for having me on, Michelle. So I am an information science specialist. I work uh, in our organization's library under our enterprise and information systems engineering section. So what does an average day look like for you? So a big part of what I do uh, with this work is um, I do a lot of communicating. I work very closely with our organization's content creators, and so I spend a good portion of my time uh, just talking to people, responding to email, setting and attending meetings, um, which is, you know, always a lot of fun. Uh, Another portion of my day is dedicated to customer requests, so I do a lot of work with our internal search and our wiki system. Uh, So responding to people's needs in terms of information seeking is part of it. I also work a little bit on taxonomy work. Um, And I'm also fortunate enough to have the opportunity to do some research. So part of in talking to people, I actually conduct surveys occasionally and and publish on those conversations. So it sounds like you have a variety of tasks every day. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Have you had a favorite long-term project? You know, I I, uh, thought about this question. I have two of them. So one is our our, uh, Enterprise Wiki. This is a decade-long project that um, I inherited along with a colleague. And it's really interesting because we get to sort of see and prompt knowledge capture in action. Um, and we respond to sort of the pressures of the organization in real time. So that's that's one of my favorite things. Another one is search. Um, if you have an enterprise search system or if you're familiar with uh, search engines, you know that they're kind of tricky beasts. Uh, and so the work that I do and that my team does um, is to start to build improvements in the user experience of search. Um, and uh, so we, we kind of are able to uh, do that work and, and respond again to user needs. I know it must be tricky because I can never find the document I want in Google Drive. <laughs> it's a big problem, and there's a lot of reasons why it's a big problem, but there's also a lot of a lot of folks working on trying to solve it. So as part of that project, what, you, what is your biggest accomplishment in kind of making the search better for your team? Absolutely. So uh, with search, there's a couple different approaches you can take. Uh, the The approach that we've initially taken is to be more manual. So I don't know if you're familiar maybe with Google um, best bets or key matches, which are boosted results uh, towards the top of pages. Uh, it's like AdWords very frequently. So um, that's like a very manual way to improve or to manipulate the search results. Um, so that's one approach that you can do uh, and that we have done uh, at my organization to improve the internal search. However, um, also, we uh, what I think is a bigger accomplishment is when we're able to organically improve the internal search system. So that's doing things like making the search indexers play nicely with the actual content and uh, working again with content creators to make sure that the information that they're feeding into the system is what the system is expecting. And so that's very rewarding work to do because it's not a short-term fix like a, like a best bet or like a key-matched keyword uh, result, but it's something that's a little bit more robust and organic and going to last in the long run. Cool. So what tools are you working with? 
Oh man, that's a that's a really good question. So some of uh, some of our tools are grown in house, um, so those wouldn't be too terribly interesting um, to to talk about. Uh, we have you know our, our uh, enterprise. I'm sorry, our IT team built uh, internal curation tools, um, but we also you know we use like a Confluence wiki, for example. Um, our our search engine is built on Elasticsearch, so those are just some some resources that uh, we we have tended to use. Do you have a lot of internal tools because what you're working on is very unique to your company? Yeah, I think that that's definitely part of it. And then, you know, um, Elasticsearch, which again is a search engine, is open source. So I think that um, I think that there's, you know, sort of this ethos of, uh, of using um, open source materials wherever possible. And um, I, I don't think necessarily that our, our content is in-house because it's particularly sacred to us. It's more, uh, we don't really, we haven't been asked to share it. So <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that it's, it's sort of building off of the the, uh, the open source content. Cool. What's the most boring but essential part of your job? Um, I think that routine customer requests can get a bit boring. Uh, and, and you know, I, I love working with customers, but I'm definitely more passionate about process improvement and kind of proactively designing solutions. Um, so figure once you figured out how to solve a problem one time, it can become boring to then sort of do it on a routine. Um, but I do, I think that, you know, one way to make those things fun is, is doing knowledge capture on your own processes. So you, you get to, um, you get to document what you're doing and, and always look for opportunities to improve even your routines. Yeah, that's kind of the fun part of any job whenever you can automate the boring parts. Right, exactly. Yep. So what is the most stressful part of your job and how do you manage it? Um, I think that the most stressful part of my job is making sure that I have uh, an accurate model of the work that's being done in the information ecosystem. Uh, my organization is large uh, and there's a lot of moving pieces. And so it's it always makes me a little anxious to think about uh, making sure I have the most up-to-date understanding of what's driving our initiatives. Um, and so I think that uh, there's there's a little bit of a, a, a balance to be had in making sure that everybody's voice is heard and also in making sure that your understanding of the problem space and of the solution space is as complete as it could be. So I think that that's probably what ca- what keeps me up at night. <laughs> Can you give our listeners kind of a scope of how much, how how big the knowledge base is to kind of give us a an idea of the problem and what you're trying to solve? Absolutely, and you know I really should have a better answer for this because um, it's not the first time I've been asked this question. But we're we're definitely we're we're very solidly in the terabytes of of information, um, and and some of it is unstructured, so some of it is you know uh, a little bit more difficult to to manage and to understand what the content is. Some of it is structured, um, but we're, we're really dealing with a very large uh, knowledge base. And a lot of that is, is just documentation um, as well as raw, raw data sets. If you could ask anything of the people creating those documents and, and actually enforce it, what would you ask them to do? <laughs> oh man. I mean, that's kind of what, that's kind of what I, I do in all my customer meetings is I, I have a wish list and we see how, we see how far we can get. We see how much we can kind of compromise on and work together on. Um, yeah. I think that the biggest thing is just, um, you know, you don't need to, I, I, I think metadata is a term that has been around, you know, for a while and definitely comes up in these kinds of conversations. Um, so I don't think it's that you necessarily need to be obsessed with metadata or too terribly worried about, um, 
getting your metadata perfect when you're starting to create documents or anything like that. Um, what I would ask of the people who are who are doing the content creation, what I do ask of them, what we work together on, is finding strategic ways to make sure that what you're doing and the work that you're doing is feeding into what your enterprise's goals are. Um, and so, you know, if you're if you're um, if you uh, are working with a system, for example, that is very heavily dependent on the title field to uh, to return relevant results, which is the case in many search systems, then having a good title with your document, even if it is a little extra work to do that, that step of adding the title into the title field, is going to strategically make way more of an impact than if you have things like the author or the dates or any other kinds of common metadata fields that you might have, keywords, things like that, that people think are related to find a um, it's really about being strategic, and I think that's what I ask uh, content creators to do. And um, what I'm always excited to help them do is is strategically interact with the environment that we have. So it sounds like the more planning that can be done beforehand means less work for everyone. Just knowing exactly what you're going to look for later, just make sure to fill that that information out. Right, exactly. And also um, try to, you know, there's a human readable component of it, which is, you know, you want to have a title that's interesting to people or that's descriptive, but there's also the computer readable part of it. And so if the computer is not going to treat a lot of information as distinct structured fields, then there's really no reason to to necessarily like worry about those fields as much as you might worry about the ones that it is going to parse and actually, and actually understand and have uh, value embedded in. So, Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds... Similar to a job I had where it'd be if you just added a little bit of more information, it would save so much time later. And it was always the balance of trying to push some of that forward. Right. It's a, it's a common struggle, I think. Which skills do you find most essential on a day-to-day basis? Um, so yeah, I hope it's not too corny to say listening because that's definitely my answer. Actively listening to customers or stakeholders, uh, and then being able to sort of paraphrase back to them what they've just said to me. I, it's a skill set that, uh, I think has taken years to develop and I'm still like actively working on, on being a better listener. Um, but it's one that I really wouldn't get far without and, uh, being able to sort of, again, understand what somebody is saying at a very deep level and then connect with them by paraphrasing what it is that they've said to you. Um, I think that that is uh, far and away my, my, the skill that I use the most frequently on a day-to-day basis. I can definitely recommend starting a podcast and interviewing a bunch of strangers to increase your listening <laughs> skills. That is an excellent idea. <laughs> what skills are on your job description or advice to have that you never use at all? You know, I think that um, my work does require that I use most of the skills that were on my job description. Uh, so I also, I should probably mention, um, you know, I, I'm an information science specialist. I do work in a library and I'm trained sort of uh, classically, for lack of a better term, uh, I'm trained as a librarian. And so my degree, my my um, my actual training is I have a master's of library and information science. Um, and so I think with that work, there's there's often a physical side to library work. So it's not, it hasn't always been digital. It's still not all digital. And so um, part of our job descriptions usually include something along the lines of making displays or being able to lift at least 30 pounds. Um, so I think that that's, that's, my, that's my example of a skill set that I don't really use is I, I'm not interacting too terribly much these days with the physical side of information. I'm much more, I'm much more digital than analog. So, do you still lift books to just stay in shape? Just like do some curls, be ready to go, just in case you need to display things. <laughs> 
Right, right. No, I use I try to use books creatively whenever possible. I'm very stubborn, so my my standing desk is just a pile of books. So that's the, <laughs> that's that's how I do it. Yep. If someone wanted your job, what's a good path to take? Um. So yeah, uh, I think that you know the I always encourage people, especially people who haven't heard of it or haven't really considered it, to think about uh, MLIS or MLS degrees. So that's Masters of Library and Information Science or Masters of Library uh, Science Studies. There's there's a variety, but those are the two primary acronyms. Um, they have a lot of like online options as well as in person uh, programs, and I think that it's something um, that I encourage people to think about because it's just a very versatile. Uh, program. Uh, the the people typically will hear libraries and, and their initial response, I had this with an Uber driver the other day when I mentioned I was a librarian. They're like, oh, but aren't libraries kind of dying? Aren't they going away? Uh, first of all, no, they're they're evolving. Uh, so they're just, they're changing. They're not, re- they're not going away. Uh, and second of all, you know, the I, I've ended up at a at an institution that works on spacecraft with a with a library degree. I have colleagues who are in you know uh, the entertainment industry with with the similar credentials, um, and so I think you can. It's a, it's a degree that because it's so focused on the theory behind information management and information architecture, uh, you can go for a variety of fields from more customer centric. Uh, jobs to to more tech heavy ones to more strategic positions like knowledge management uh and and the like there so i think that that's definitely um something that i i would i would encourage folks to consider because it's it's a it's not talked about nearly as much as it should be and it's actually an extremely versatile program it definitely seems like your job is closer to dealing with big data than it is to the traditional idea of a librarian of like shelving books Exactly. Yeah. And so there's so many examples of that in the field right now. Um, and uh, it, you know, there's definitely still a lot of book librarians and it's it's an excellent thing to do if that's your passion. Um, but you shouldn't you shouldn't necessarily think that that libraries are just physical. We're we're uh, we're we're much, much different these days. Is there anything you would advise students to learn that's not going to be in their school curriculum? You know, um, I think that this kind of ties back into the listening thing that we talked about earlier. But really, public speaking, I think, is something that um, even if you are in, you know, in colleges will typically or in high schools will typically have you, you know, present in front of your class or whatever. Um, so it's it's not like it's not necess- it's not a part of curriculum. It's definitely there. But I think that prioritizing public speaking and prioritizing learning to speak in public is something that uh students would benefit from and that I've certainly benefited from. You can join things like Toastmasters. You can take improv classes um, and, you know, just practicing sort of making eye contact and voicing your thoughts succinctly and confidently um, and, and just making the most out of every opportunity that you that you get to speak in front of somebody, even if it is just in front of your class, you know, you can, you can dress up and get prepared and practice in the mirror and everything. And I think uh, developing that skill set and being able to sort of eventually speak very easily in front of uh, small groups and large groups alike, I, it's an excellent quality that, that really will set you apart, especially if you're uh, interested in moving into a strategic or a leadership role, I think, in, in, in the techie world. I completely agree with that. I think even just the confidence of presenting to one or two people really makes a difference when you're trying to uh, make changes or lead an initiative or anything like that. Absolutely. Tech interviews for like engineering roles are really intense. and can be very long. Um, can you talk a little bit about the hiring process for your job? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think that um, the the first, so I, I personally started as an intern, so my hiring process was a little bit different than uh, perhaps if I'd started sort of as a professional right out of school. But definitely the uh, the focus is more on your um, understanding of the needs of the organization. So um yeah, there are people who have interviews like you've described that last a very long time and where they're very rigorous and they're uh, kind of these day-long events uh, of, of uh, meeting people or of, of kind of explaining uh, your your role and your specialty. But um, for, for me, I think that, you know, the thing that was critical in my interview process was being able to, uh, again, understand, listen and understand what the, um, what the problem space was for the organization and then be able to respond to that in a way that showed that, you know, not only uh, did did we understand what the problem was, but that there were um, there were strategies around uh, fixing fixing those problems. And so uh, for me, that was my experience with the hiring process was that it was much more um, iterative and it was much more about the uh, the communication that was established between myself and the uh, hiring committee. How do you say excited about your work? So I think that knowledge management and the associated processes, uh, the software solutions that it entails, the information architectures that support it, it's one of the most fascinating topics in the world to me. Uh, I love knowledge management uh, questions, and I work in that area because, you know, there's a ton of best practices around uh, doing good knowledge capture, but there's really no perfect answer to issues of enterprise content findability and searchability, information retrieval. Um, And so I think that the fact that it's an unanswered riddle with room for research uh, is what draws me in and kind of keeps me passionate about about the uh, about the work. Are you always learning new things and trying out new innovations? I like to think that yes, uh, that that's a big part of it. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I, I like I said, I'm fortunate enough to have a little bit of a research uh, component of my work, and so as part of that, uh, I very frequently will you know listen in on webinars and um, keep up with uh, white papers that are being published, and just try to get a sense for where the industry as a whole is going. And it is going a lot of places very rapidly, so it's kind of a wild ride sometimes. Do you have uh, favorite resources for where you get those videos and papers? Oh yeah, that's a that's a great question. So um, KM World is a is a great one to a uh, great sort of introductory and deep dive. A lot of white papers come out of there. Uh, the Information Today Publishing House is also just in general a really good space to look for uh, look for information. They have things like Online Searcher Magazine, um, which is another is another good one. Um, also, following some of the industry uh, giants is is a good uh, thing to do. So uh, Lucidia, uh, Ginfo, APQC. Oh man, I forgot that acronym. Um, but I think that's it. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah. So those are just uh, Gart- Gardner. Uh, so following those uh, those industry giants again, um, they'll very frequently kind of publish on what they are, um, what they're observing, and uh, sort of do studies to uh, reflect what their customers' uh, needs are. And so I think that that's something where reading about that is very fascinating as well. And it's a good way to sort of see where the industry is trending. Are there any questions you often hear when you're at events or maybe talking to college students that I haven't touched on? You know, I think that um, one that kind of comes up a lot is uh, imposter syndrome. And I think that that's something, you know, that uh, especially being sort of younger and uh, 
being a woman who has to talk with uh, developers very frequently, um, I think that that's one where, you know, I, I definitely uh, get asked about that a lot or or have conversations about that a lot, especially with my colleagues. Um, and so I think that, you know, uh, for me, uh, responding to that, uh, it's kind of about being, I think, a true believer. So you have to believe kind of not only in yourself, but also in your work. Um, you don't necessarily have to have a certain degrees or have certain like qualifications to deserve a seat at the table. If you're genuinely trying to solve a problem and you're trying to solve it to the best of your ability uh, and you're, you're you're doing honest work, um, and then it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks because you you believe in, in yourself and in your product and in, you know, the the uh, the honest work that you're doing. And so I think that that's sort of uh, what I what I will tend to talk about with people, uh, especially in terms of like uh, imposter syndrome or just general general uh discomfort with with trying to make their way in in this space yeah and it seems like most of the time with that it's second guessing yourself while the people around you are probably just excited to have an answer to their problem yeah oh that's that's very much the case (laughs) so what's your next step so I think that starting to think a little bit less about uh, task-oriented work and a little bit more towards system-oriented work is uh, is what I'm I'm kind of toying around with these days. You know, we have uh, work in um, organizing our information. Typically, we've had it uh, taxonomical, so we have hierarchical relationships between uh, the, the concepts that the organization deals with. And I think sort of, to, to use it almost metaphorically, migrating that taxonomical thinking to a more ontological one and to a more systems-based one where the relationships between concepts can become uh, richer. Uh, that's that's sort of my next step. And I know that sounds kind of abstract, but um, I think that basically just uh, growing on the, the, the thinking that's gotten, uh, you know, my... That's that's brought me this far, and trying to expand on that to um, to be better prepared for sort of the information management tasks that lie ahead. Are there any technical organizations that you enjoy being a part of that you'd like to recommend to our audience? Absolutely. So um, I think that one is the uh, Special Libraries Association. The name is a little bit of a misnomer, uh, just because it's not only libraries; it's any sort of information professional uh, with a wide variety of uh, technical backgrounds and in a wide variety of professions and industries. So that's definitely one that um, I found very valuable to be a part of. There's uh, Write the Docs. I don't know if you are familiar with that group. Uh, so it's a group of documentation enthusiasts. They have a Slack channel and a web presence and a number of local meetups that you can attend. Um, so I think that that's one where, again, depending on a variety of technical background um, and experience, uh, there are folks that are passionate about keeping track of, of how work is done. And I think that that's really, really cool. Um, also code for lib which is a group of librarians who are focused on coding specifically uh, to to solve problems that that plague their organizations or universities or, or what have you so um, those are three that I have found very valuable and that I think uh, a lot of folks would find valuable they're very accessible organizations is there a lot of overlap between your job and like technical writers because you're both basically trying to curate information from opposite ends yeah, I think that, you know, technical writing is is one area where um, 
it's been fun to learn more about it. I don't have formal training in the area, but um, definitely there's a lot of overlap. And I think uh, what I kind of consider a lot of my work is in knowledge management. But um, but yeah, I think that, you know, technical writing is a huge, huge component of that. And it's an entire uh, rich skill set all, all to all to itself. Um, so I, I, I would say that my work more enables uh, uh, technical writing and sort of the integration of that content with the enterprise architecture uh, more broadly. But uh, yeah, there's definitely an overlap there. If our listeners want to reach out via social media, how can they find you? Uh, you know, I'm on Twitter. Uh, so uh, at searchbrarian, uh, a conglomeration of uh, search and librarian uh, per, per my, for my love of search engines. So yeah, uh, feel free to reach out to me there. I'm also on LinkedIn if, if you want to find me. So um, I'm ha- more than happy to talk to folks. I really enjoyed having you on, especially since when people think of tech, I'm guessing they don't normally think of a job like yours. So it's really nice to be able to highlight different paths that people don't normally think of. Right, right. I think it's a it's a very broad world. And I'm kind of maybe on the, the boundary of what would be considered tech, but there's still enough of my day that's that's spent uh trying to trying to make you know the the terminal command work um that i feel like it's uh there's there's a, there's overlap there too so i mean plus you work with spaceships that is true that is true <laughs> huge plus <laughs> <laughs> to keep up to date on upcoming episodes or to continue the conversation please follow us on twitter at from source pod if you'd like to share your journey